everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. You know, last week, as many of you know, we brought you live coverage of the March for Our Lives from here in Washington, D.C. I hope that you enjoyed the coverage. It was an amazing event. And now the hard work becomes. The post-march begins. Now, we know that nothing's going to affect any of the gun laws until there's a shakeup in Congress. And, of course, on a local level as well. Now, as you also know, our goal is to give you some insight into the top 75 races in the country that will affect how the government post-2018 is run. Now, last time, two weeks ago, we had a chance to visit Florida and talk with Chris King, who was one of four Democrats running for the party's Democratic gubernatorial nomination. This week, we had West going to the Lone Star State. That's right, Texas, Congressional District 31. Now, that's the northern suburbs of Austin, as well as a portion of the area surrounding one of the country's largest military bases, which is Fort Hood. The district is now represented in Congress by a Republican, John Carter. He's from Round Rock, Texas. He will be faced in the fall by a woman representing the Democratic Party, but right as of this time, we don't know who that woman's going to be. It could very well be M.G. Hager, but... We think it might very well be our guest. And our guest today is Dr. Christine Mann. Dr. Mann, welcome. I know that you have been active in local politics, but this is your first major attempt at running for public office. What got you interested in wanting to be the congressperson representing Texas 31? Well, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. And um yeah, I've been involved politically at the local and the state level for quite a few years. I've worked for multiple Democratic campaigns um, from city council all the way up to uh, President Obama's campaigns in 2008 and 2012 through my local offices. And um been involved in the community doing some activism for longer than that, so being politically active is not new to me. It is mm-hmm. something that has been uh, a part of, of my life for quite a while. And so after the 2016 election, when I was seeing things that were quite upsetting to me in terms of what the administration's policies were looking like and what they were going to be, I felt like I needed to uh, increase that that activity and, and really uh, stand up and, and do something. So uh, I decided to run with the support of my husband and my uh, family and my friends. And, you know, the thing that really motivates me to keep going, though, is the tens of thousands of patients and their stories that I've heard over the past 20 years in practice. Uh, you know, stories like the mother who, the mothers who have lost their children to gun violence, mm-hmm. um, the immigrants who are worried about what's going to happen to them under this administration, the veterans who come to me with PTSD and and Mm -hmm. limbs that have been severed and not able to get the resources that they need. So those are the stories that motivate me and keep me uh, wanting to continue to fight for them, just like I have for my patients for the past two decades. Now, the 
person who holds the congressional district seat right now is a Republican by the name of John Carter. Um, yeah. And uh, Congressman Carter is uh, not necessarily a friend of the Affordable Care Act and uh, yeah. um, not necessarily, frankly, a friend of women. Uh, done a little research on Congressman Carter and uh, not necessarily casting aspersions upon the man, having never met him. But he seems to be in line with um, Vice President Pence when it comes to rolling back as much in the way of women's reproductive rights as well as women's health situations, which becomes very difficult. You put upon that the already uh, amazing restrictions that have happened in the state of Texas. And perhaps, um, you know, perhaps, Dr., you can tell us, Dr. Mann, um, your thoughts about what's going on in Texas and, of course, uh, in the country with this um, extremely, extremely conservative movement moving forward on women's um, health issues. Yes, Texas is particularly challenging for um, women's health and reproductive services, and it's very um, upsetting to me as a physician having provided women with the tools to have their own bodily autonomy for years. You know, I, I counsel women um, all the time on how to avoid pregnancy and, you know, how to prevent um, uh, the need for an abortion. And mm-hmm. I, I use science and data to do those things. And when I see the state legislature and the federal government make things up, um, saying that they are trying to um, create legislation that is good for women and and, uh, helps women and protects women, and they're using completely false information, it's not only upsetting to me as a woman, but it is maddening as a physician. And and one of the main people within the state of Texas, uh, Charles Schwartner, is also a physician. And I I don't understand as a physician how he can stand by legislation that is uh, not scientific. Um, You know, John Carter has sponsored legislation that restricts women's ability to obtain reproductive and other um, uh, health services. And I I will fight back against that. And one of the ways I'm fighting back is by running for his seat to replace him. For instance, Planned Parenthood, uh, which is obviously a target in, in a constant way. I don't think they realize that Planned Parenthood not only gives just, yeah, sure, they're having involved in reproductive rights, but they it's just common maintenance of a woman's body that they take care of. And they also take care of men, which, yeah. I mean, again, people lose out and don't think about that. So I'll, again, turn it over to you, Dr. Mann, with, uh, with your thoughts on, um, you know, how to make the health situation better, not only just in Texas, but obviously uh, if you were to get to Congress. Well, and I don't think that the people voting against um, funding for Planned Parenthood, uh, I don't think that they're in the dark about the fact that those other services, pap smears and Mm -hmm. um, breast exams, I don't think they're in the dark about those things being provided um, through Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear them talk about it, they just turn it back to, but 
they also have uh, abortion services. So uh, they're they're aware. Um, it just isn't as important to them as making sure that um, women struggle to access um, abortion care. And mm-hmm. so there are, you know, for me the overarching theme is healthcare. And right. as a doctor, that's obviously been my my focus, and it happens to be mm-hmm. the focus and the number one issue bringing people out to vote in these elections. And so the bigger picture is, well, how do we fix health care um, right. and make sure that everybody has access? And for me, um, that would involve immediately shoring up the Affordable Care Act, expanding Medicaid, but right. then taking the steps necessary for a universal coverage system with, in my opinion, a single-payer model is your, your best option on that. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a stepwise process that the, the basic framework needs to happen as soon as we elect a new Congress in November with making sure the people who are already covered do not have those protections taken away, making sure that the um, poor and the lower income uh, patients have access to Medicare immediate, uh, excuse me, Medicaid mm-hmm. immediately um, while we are uh, revamping the entire system. Uh, just a few minutes ago when you were giving kind of an opening statement, uh, you were talking about DACA and um, Obviously, Texas uh, is a state where DACA is a very important part of what goes on. Um, talk to me about your constituents, and is DACA a problem? Is it something they're concerned about? Is it something that uh, you, as a representative uh, for that area, would be um, would it be uh, with health care on the top of your list? DACA comes up in forums that the candidates participate in. I have Mm -hmm. not yet had it come up in a one-on-one conversation with constituents. Uh Uh, I do have um, patients who we discuss it um, because they're either in a situation where they're at risk or they know someone who is in a situation that they're at risk, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it has not yet come up in a, um, in a Town situation where I'm talking yeah. to constituents. Right. Um, why don't you tell me what are the two or three main issues that you think uh, are most important to the constituents of uh, the potential constituents, I should say, of right. um, of the district and things that you well, need desperately to address once you did get the Congress. Uh, by far, the number one issue is still health care. We've done okay. polling on that, and by 20, more than 20 points, health care mm-hmm. is the issue that people are, are concerned with. And when I go block walking, when I am in meet and greets, when I am at forums, I get asked that 90-ish percent of the time. It, uh-huh. Other topics rarely come up. Now, um, gun violence has kind of skyrocketed up on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a supporter of Moms Demand Action for several years, so that one's mm-hmm. not a new issue for me. But with everything going on with the, the Parkland shooting and the, um, the, the gun reform movement that these um, mm-hmm. young people are, are leading, that issue comes up quite a bit. And, and I, I do live in a district uh, where there is a large number of um, gun owners. I'm a gun owner mm-hmm. myself. 
Right. Um, so that topic has started to kind of bubble up um, mm-hmm. to the top. And then there's a pretty decent amount of my district that is rural. So, you know, talking about issues that affect rural voters like broadband, Internet access, and mm-hmm. uh, infrastructure. Uh, Health care is still important in, in that regard because um, those more rural areas don't have as good of access. And then because we have Fort Hood, which is the largest military installation in the world mm-hmm. in the district, Veterans issues uh, comes up quite often, um, mm-hmm. and I've met with some veterans groups on that, and um, uh, there needs to be a, a very major rethinking about how we care for our veterans. You know, it's interesting. Um, did a recent podcast a couple of um, weeks ago about the SNAP program and how um, it was going to be a, a heart um breaking situation for uh, not only veterans, but there are active duty members uh, yes. who don't make enough money to um, to afford groceries without food stamps. And the SNAP yeah. program would actually take away, not, you've got people serving the country in Afghanistan and their family are on food stamps and the SNAP program. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a dichotomy of, of, uh, bizarre circumstances but um you know you're there as you just said you're right at fort hood the epicenter of of such a large group of um of um military people uh you know again to your point um the government isn't taking care of the military even though they're getting massive budget infusions That, that's correct, and it's completely unacceptable. Um, I have so many veterans who talk to me not just about the things that you touched on, but also mm-hmm. uh, job um, opportunities when they return from service, transitioning from military mm-hmm. life and into um, uh, job availability. And um, within the military itself, there is a sexual assault um, problem that is mm-hmm. not being addressed, there is the um, huge issue of veteran suicide and homelessness, mm-hmm. and um, that is something that as a representative for this large population of veterans, these are things that, that are very important to me as a future representative and, um, you know, fully intend to, to start working on programs that will address all of those issues. You've got another woman who's running against you in mm-hmm. your district, and um, you know MJ Hager, and mm-hmm. um, it's not often that we get women who are running for office, which is outstanding, more now mm-hmm. than than before. But to actually end up being in a runoff with a woman—that's um, that's a pretty uh, awesome situation, even though she's a competitor. Um, when is your primary and tell me a little bit about how the two of you have been, um, sizing each other up in that regard. Why, (laughs) why should, why should the potential voter in district 31 in Texas pick Dr. Mann over H, um, Ms. Hager? 
Um, our runoff is on May 22nd, and early voting for that is May 14th through May 18th. Not that far away. Yeah. Not that far away. It's about a little over, a little under eight weeks away. Um, my perspective has to do with, you know, the differences between us in terms of background and policy. Mm-hmm. Um, my background is in-district local activism. I've been uh, working within this community for, man, since I moved to Central Texas for the benefit of Central Texans. I um, worked with the city council in uh, Round Rock. Uh, I was mm-hmm. the physician leader of group that helped enact the city's first indoor smoking ban. Mm-hmm. I um, sat on the American Heart Association for Williamson County on their board of directors and put, helped to put defibrillators into schools and other public buildings. I've been a volunteer for CASA in this area, uh, which is a court-appointed special advocate for children who are abused and neglected. So, you know, my background is local activism within the community Mm -hmm. um, on top of, you know, the the two decades of advocating for my patients. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece of that is the, the medical side. Right now there are 15 doctors in Congress. All of them are men. 13 are Republicans. Mm-hmm. So if you really want um, a uh, balance to the next round of health care legislation, you're going to need to elect one of the six female Democratic doctors who are running uh, across the country. There's only six of us. This is a historic um, thing that we are doing because this has never happened uh, in the country to have this many female Democratic doctors running for Congress. So uh, if healthcare is your number one issue, you want a doctor in the house. Uh, you want a doctor on the ballot um, because that is what's going to bring people out to the polls um, so that we can win the seat. Um, and then uh, Ms. Hagar and I have some differences on policy. Um, you know, again, healthcare is my number one issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not something that she has really spoken about. Um, I um, am very much in favor of some gun regulations to um, reduce gun violence, uh, universal background checks, and a military assault-type weapon bans, and uh, she has not spoken out in favor of those things. So, you know, there are some policy differences, even though we are running on the on the Democratic ticket, uh, we do have some differences in how we, had, we would approach policy. Well, it sounds like... Um going to be quite an interesting battle come uh, all the way up to May 22nd but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, you know what do you think is the biggest uh, obstacle that either you or Ms. Hager would have to hurdle to get past the man who sits in that position right now I think that it's going to be um, voter activation Um, Mm -hmm. Texas is a non-voting state. Everyone Mm -hmm. thinks of it as a red state, but it is a non-voting state. Mm -hmm. And voter activation is something that I've been doing for a while Um, in Texas. A lay person can register people to vote. You have to go by your county, to your county, and get trained. And I'm trained in three counties locally to be able to register voters. 
uh, voting um, rights is one of my top three issues. So um, I've got that background already of activating voters, uh, signing new people up, and getting people to the polls. And I've been involved in that kind of work for for quite a while. So um, that is, for me, that is the most important piece is uh, getting the word out that we have a, a strong Democrat on the ticket and um, doing the work that I've been doing already to get people out to vote into the polls. Tell you what, why don't you, Dr. Mann, if you would, um, tell us how to follow you on your social media. Great. Um, so my website is Christine, that's with a C-H, for the number four congress.com. So Christine for congress.com. And I have uh, extensive information on there in terms of my policy positions. Um, I blog pretty frequently. So you can really learn a lot about me on that website. Uh, my Facebook page is also Christine for Congress, uh, also the number four, um, and I post regularly. You'll be able to find out about the two town hall meetings that I've got coming up um, and about other community activities because I'm very active in the local community. And uh, through the website, you can sign up to volunteer or to uh, donate to the campaign. And my Twitter is... Dr. Mann for Congress, and that's D-R-M-A-N-N, the number four Congress. Um, I couldn't fit Christine for Congress into my Twitter handle, so I had to go with Dr. Mann. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Mann, for um, joining us today, and we'll be back with more of the Politically Incorrect podcast after these words from Ford Trucks. Okay, anyone like coming in first place in everything that matters? Introducing the all-new 2017 Ford Super Duty, the only high-strength, military-grade, aluminum alloy body, heavy-duty pickup. It takes first place in every measure of tough. Best-in-class towing, best-in-class payload, best-in-class horsepower, and best-in-class torque. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. This is the next level. This is the all-new Ford Super Duty. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. If you have not yet subscribed, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, we make it very simple to do. You can find us in the iTunes store. So we're part of the Apple Podcast family. You can find us at Google Play, Blog Talk Radio. If you have been one of the 35 million people who've downloaded the Stitcher app, all you have to do is search the Politically Incorrect Podcast and we're right there, and we'll be part of your Stitcher family. And last but certainly not least, if you're one of the 175 million people worldwide, myself included, who've downloaded the TuneIn app, then all you have to do is search uh, the Politically Incorrect podcast, thumbs up, hit it as your favorite, and bingo. Every week you will get the Politically Incorrect podcast delivered to your phone or to your tablet or to both on the TuneIn app. All right, so there's five places to get us. Please go out and subscribe to the Politically Incorrect podcast today. Okay, well, thank you very much. And speaking of thank yous, uh, we want to thank our guest for today. And that, of course, is Dr. Christine Mann, who is running for Congress in Texas Congressional District 31, the northern suburbs of Austin, Texas, all of her information is down below in our show box, so you can find out everything you need to know about Dr. Christine Mann and her quest to become the next United States Congressperson from 
District 31 in the great state of Texas. Okay. All right. Next week, we are headed back to Florida and we'll be talking to Gwen Graham. I know the name sounds familiar. Her father was, of course, the governor of the state of Florida and later senator representing the state of Florida. So we'll talk to Gwen Graham. She's one of four people running for the Democratic nomination of governor in the state of Florida. So Gwen Graham next week on the Politically Incorrect podcast. So we hope that you have a lovely Passover or Easter weekend, depending upon your religion. And we will catch you next week right here on the Politically Incorrect podcast. I'm Jim Williams saying have a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend. 